seems pretty to miss such a good pudding. And welcome to Euro Pudding. Welcome. Euro Pudding Season 2 is the European screenwriter's podcast about writing and producing better TV in Europe with weird accents. Very weird accents. Hi, my name is Pierre Puget. I'm a French writer based in Berlin. And hi, I'm Philippe Schatzer. I'm a German writer. I'm also based in Berlin. And as always, this podcast is made by Sean, the Serialize Alumni Network. We are an association of screenwriters and producers from all over Europe who went through the Serialize writing program here in Berlin. And to know more about our writers and producers, members, serialize or shown, check out the website shontv.net. And of course, like usual, you can like, you can leave comments on whatever social media you're using and five also stars, whatever podcast app you're using. Uh, you know, click some five stuff. Stars. Give us five stars. And thank you. So, yep, this is uh, season two, episode number three. Pierre, what yes. have you been up to since season, uh, since, uh, season two, episode two? Uh, I've been sick. You've been sick? Yes, what I did, just what had did a, you have? I had a cold. Like, a cold? Long like cold? I had, yeah, like a 10 days cold. Oh, it, it was Yes. Uh, so so that was my big big news, you know. So you were just like lying in bed or yeah, I did a bit like of video games. I still worked a little, but you know, it, it, I was definitely slow. Yeah. Okay, I worked a lot too. Um yeah, lots of work. Medical show doesn't write itself. <laughs> and uh that's that sounds arrogant. Um but yeah, over the weekend I've been uh, visiting the family in Nuremberg, so that's what I did. I mean you said that it didn't write itself, but actually uh, a friend sent me a link to um an article about like AI writing and the, just the title scared me that I didn't even open it. Like, like, nope, I will There's ignore this. experiments on this, right? For the moment. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, they do that. Like uh, uh, how to program like a TV series or something. I heard yeah. about that too. And when you see the quality of the AI images, because I've been playing with that uh, the last few weeks and months uh, uh, to create like pictures for like my um, projects, uh, you know, the concepts presentation and all that. And it works really well. Like, like you know, like you type exactly what you want to see yeah. in a picture and it, it just makes it. And it's, and I'm like, oh shit, like a lot of uh, uh, graphic designers or, or like art artists or concept artists especially will be out of a job. Um, I don't want to use this as, yeah. you know, for the final products, but like for any kind of mock-up concepts, pitches, this is amazing. And uh, if the writing thing in a few yeah. years become yeah. as good as the image thing, uh, we're in a problem. Can you say we're fucked? Yeah. I was, I was going to say that, but I, was, I don't know if we, uh, yeah. We, I think we can say that. Yes. <laughs> And today, our main focus will be writing for audio, which means exactly what is happening now, except it will be written. But, oh, wait, this is written. Oh, wow. <laughs> so meta. Uh, so, because in film and TV, of course, uh, uh, we know, uh, uh, I mean, we think we know a bit how, yeah, how yeah, it works. Yeah. Uh, but um, uh, we, I mean, I don't know that much, uh, but you have experienced writing audio. Yes, and, I did. And uh, uh, we have been listening to audio stories since we were kids, because, like... All this, yeah. uh, I mean, it dates me, but... Uh, uh, I mean, what did you grow up with? What audio plays, audio cassettes, audio dramas, whatever? Well, it was a lot of this Disney uh, vinyl, Yeah, you know, with the little ding, 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 bell yeah. uh, uh, <laughs> ringing, like, you know, before you turn yeah. uh, the disc and, and turning, you also to turn the page, yeah. right? All right. Um, and yeah, and later I, I made my own 
uh, stories like with my sisters and cousins, like we were recording, oh, recording? Okay, cool. tape, that's, that's you nice. know, and, and telling stories and stuff like that. So, so that's, you know. I actually grew up big, with- um, big, Mainstream yeah. audience. Listening to uh, Masters of the Universe. That's where I grew up with. Oh, like, like the, yeah, the yeah, yeah, He Man and, yeah, yeah. and all that stuff. So the audio stuff. Wow. Yeah, it was quite scary. So in, in some parts, but uh, it was entertaining as well. I remember the story about the fish. That's it. A French, a French <laughs> fatale. It was about a fish. No, wait. It was about a rat going to the fish world. Wow, I have now big flashback from my childhood. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, but uh, we let's, transition now to our guests. Yes, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, to, to talk about this topic today, first I want to welcome online on Zoom. We have Katharina Lang. Hi, Kati. Hi. <laughs> so thanks for being with us in the pudding today. Um, yeah, how are you doing? Great. You I love pudding, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. I want to clear what that flavor? out. Uh, what can, what is pudding for you? Because I, when we called this pudding, we didn't realize that pudding for different countries means very different things. There's like pudding cake, there's like pudding cream, like custard. Like, like. I think um, pudding in the sense of British English people calling it like dessert. Exactly. So, uh -huh. Yeah. So every kind of pudding. <laughs> so and you're, uh, um, you're with us from Munich right now, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so let us uh, introduce you to your audience. Uh, so we first we first met each other actually in 2013, writing for the Bavarian daily drama series "The Home is the Home, Home Sweet Home." Um, since then, you've become a real Jackie of all trades, all rounder mm -hmm. in kind of all sorts of writing for all sorts of stuff. I mean, on your website, you write that you're a hybrid writer, basically. Um, yeah. As I said, you're writing for, for all sorts of formats and you've written a novel, it's called 150 Days to Date, which came out of a blog that you started on your dating life in your 20s, right? Right. And you've also done like poetry slams, you wrote a lot of stuff for TV, you wrote for the medical show in Aller Freundschaft, in All Friendship, and it's spin-off series in Aller Freundschaft, Die Young Ärzte, which I'm also writing for. Um, and you've also done crime. TV show Watzmann Ermittelt, uh, Watzmann Investigates, and Morden im Norden, Murder in the North. I hope I'm tra translating that right. Yes. And you've <laughs> lately, you've also written an audio series, uh, which is soon to come out on Audible. Um, can you tell us yes. a bit about when it's going to come out, what it is about, uh, what the title is? So the release will be uh, at the beginning of December this year, so quite soon. The title is Schund and Schmutz, which would roughly translate to Trash and Dirt, which I just realized <laughs> doesn't sound good. <laughs> But, <laughs> um, it's a historic crime series. It's set in Munich in 1926, uh, where a young woman seeks her luck as a writer, but then is confronted with a series of very weird murders, which seem to aim for writers, which is a bit, well, unlucky for the, the our female protagonist but it's it's fun it's mystery it's crime it's everything and it will um be surprising for a lot of people that uh, munich in the 1920s is a lot not like babylon berlin so it's not like berlin in the 1920s there's a lot of historic context as well and i did not write this alone i have to say mm -hmm. um i was the head writer but i developed and wrote the series with two um, young Munich writers who are called Albert Bozesan and Robert Sladecek. And um, yes, it was quite fun. It sounds exciting and also quite yeah. disturbing that there's a killer out there killing uh, writers. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for being with us today in the pudding. And so, so it's a producer, right? 
<lacht> must be, must be. <lacht> no spoilers. <lacht> And we also have another guest. Uh, our second guest, he's alive with us in the studio today, uh, is Anthony Casiria. Welcome, Anthony. Hey, gang. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Hello, hello. So you actually, you came from London directly to record this pudding, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a long time listener, first time caller. So I'm very, very glad to be here. Yeah. Yeah. Now you're actually been to Berlin for quite a few weeks now. Uh, what actually brought you here? What have you done here in Berlin? Um, uh, yeah, it's my first trip back for a while. And uh, essentially they were uh, recording the second season of my show. So I thought I'd uh, pop over and um, get to experience that because yeah. I missed it all because it happened during lockdown and I was very far away. Yeah. So your show is uh, maybe we can yeah we dive can also back dive, dive into, right into, into your that. audio show as well yeah uh, yeah the uh, Rattenfanger which uh, came out gosh it feels like it came out last year but only came out in March this year uh, the first season and um, yeah the second season is in production and I'm about to start work on the third season as well which uh, is going to be a lot of work but um, I'm looking forward to it yeah so first season came out this year second season is being produced right now. And you kind of started writing on the third season. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've got the, um, I had the idea for the whole thing for a while, but uh, yeah, I got, got the green light for the second and third seasons uh, together. So that kind of helped with the development. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, that was a big help. Yeah. So it's, it's translated to the rat catcher. That's right. right yeah. yeah. Can, well, can you tell us I, a bit about the title and what the story is about? Yeah, the, well, the, the, it's, The myth of the Rattenfanger, the rat catcher, is I guess we also know it, known it know it in the UK as the Pied Piper, but I thought rat catcher just sounded like a better title anyway yeah. in the UK. So it's if, a bit more dangerous, isn't it? Yeah, it, it kind of just sounds sounds better than the Pied Piper, I think. Anyway, um, it's a it's a mystery thriller, uh, six uh, six episodes, six hours, the first season, um, and it's about a troubled detective because uh, I guess they're all troubled who is investigating a series of uh, missing teenagers and start suspecting that somebody is uh, kidnapping them uh, by pretending to be the, the Rattenfanger, the, the Pied Piper, yeah. And he's a producer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I can only say I've listened to season one and I can definitely totally recommend it. So uh, yeah, check it out. It's on Audible and... Um Definitely gotta check it out. I'm not, and I'm not just saying that because you're a friend of mine. So no, no, you're uh, saying because I'm paying you. To yeah, say yeah, it. definitely. <laughs> Alles fing damit an, dass ein Mädchen verschwand und mich die Umstände an den Rattenfänger von Hameln erinnerten. Alle dachten, der Rattenfänger wäre nur eine Sage, aber es geschieht wirklich. So let's flash back. Yeah, let's flash back and quickly, uh, quickly introduce you as well. I mean, you are from the UK, as we said, um, and to put it simply, um, just like Katharina, your whole life's been about writing. You have a bachelor degree in English literature. You have an MA in screenwriting. We actually met in 2018 when we did the serialized course here in Berlin. Uh, you've won lots of writing competitions. Among those are uh, the Tribeca Film Festival and for BAFTA as well. And yeah, just like format and genre-wise, you're also definitely an all-rounder, I have to say. Um, so you kind of, um, you like mixing genres, um, you like uh, to play around with elements unexpected uh, and sometimes subversive twists. And um, you write for, uh, you write high concept comedy dramas, uh, absurd stuff, magic realism, sci-fi, and you've also worked in video games, right? Yeah, yeah not, not all at the same time. Like this is not just oh, on, it's not one big mess on. of a project, though, right? That's just like <laughs> all that stuff. And, although, yeah, maybe that would be 
That would be really good. <laughs> so yeah, and your latest project um, has been, as we said, the Ratcatcher, the Rattenfänger, and currently you're also working on a TV show for Sky, you mentioned. Before we uh, dive into the, the craft question, of course we have a third expert of writing audio around the table, and it's uh, Phil, who also uh, I've been writing an audio series, right? Yeah, I've written it actually. Uh, oh my God, time flies with Corona. I've written it last year in 2021, and unfortunately it hasn't been published yet. We're still in the process of sorting that out um, but um, the title of it is called Freedom Flight it's set uh, at the end of the 1970s and it's about two uh, citizens of the uh, GDR the DDR who fled to West Berlin by hijacking a plane exciting my, my first question actually for, for our two guests uh, is um, you both of your series are for Audible and I would say most uh People know Audible for audiobooks, which means translating published novel novels into audiobooks. Is the how is the process uh, uh, different? How, like, is this completely different commissioners? Like, like just if you can explain a bit how you got approached or how you approached yourself Audible, and and uh, uh, is this working more and more like a commissioner as we know on TV, or or how do they separate from the or the the books to the original creation, which I guess is what you, you you're doing. Um, so. Um, it actually is a lot like um, um, trying to find someone producing something for TV actually or for the cinema um, you need a production company well that's what I did and the two guys did, um, um, who specialized on um, audio plays and then you write a pitch and um, as we know there's some more pitches and more pitches and more pitches until they're happy and um, so I didn't think it was a lot different from the process of selling something for TV. So um, what we are doing, it's an Audible original. So it's um, was developed only for Audible and um, it's a new thing. It's not based on any book or anything. So, but I had the feeling that um, after the pitch was um, through, that we had a lot of uh, creative freedom, more than for TV, actually, like a lot more, because obviously it's not as expensive than shooting um, a series for TV or for the cinema or for a streamer. So, but the, the basic process of getting the pitch out was kind of the same, I felt. Yeah. Do you have the same experience, Anthony? Yeah, yeah. They, I mean, they've got a drama department with separate producers from the audio book side um and yeah similarly my, mine's an audible original so it's only exclusively on audible and you know audible's a subscription uh, a format so with that subscription you get like uh you get like a credit to buy a, a title every every month i think it is um but you also then get access to all the originals for free so i guess that's sort of what they're trying to push to to get more uh, exclusive content on there so yeah that's that's pretty much the same as my experience uh, but the actual process i think that um, as i experienced it with a production company that i wrote for um was actually a lot simpler i felt because there's like less people involved i mean was it the same for you katarina yes exactly and um you don't have to think about um all the well obviously don't have to think about location scouting and anything and you don't even have to think about um who's going to um speak the different characters yet um which often you also have to do when you're writing for um for the screen so the only costs involved um at the beginning are a rough calculation of 
well, the production budget for well, the people who speak and um, for the writing. So I think that makes it le much less complicated. So how did you uh, add the idea to do audio? Is it an adaptation for an old TV project that you had? Or is this something that you were like, no, this is something I want to try. This is, uh, this is an, an audio project. Uh, well, for me, I, yeah, I had the idea for the, the show um, a while back. And, and yeah, I did think about, you know, it could be a TV um, uh, version of that. But there was, you know, obviously it's got that original German IP because the original story is, is from Hamlin in, in Germany. And, um, but also the within the story that of the myth, there's the uh, there's the audio element because the the Pied Piper who he, he sort of steals the rats and the and the kids using a, a magic flute. Which so I kind of like thought about that in terms of the sound and um, kind of you know I put that in my pitch, put it out there quite high up in the in the in the pitch so that just to really reiterate that I kind of thought if, if I could find a way to do something to modernize that somehow um, that would really serve them well for audio. because I think, you know, I think audio audible and a lot of audio platforms um, I guess that they like um, projects that uh, fit into what I guess they call, I think they call it like audio land or something like that, where, where you're really immersed in, in the story through audio And uh, yeah, I think if you've got a project that, that leans into that, then it's more likely to get picked up and, and do well. So the same for you, Katarina. Yeah, um, I, I would say that especially the genre of crime and mystery works very well for audio because um, um, you can, as Anthony said, totally immerse into the world and can do a lot of sound effect and um, historic series um, seem to be quite upcoming since a few years but I think it's a lot easier if you have a sec um, successful um, audible audio play um, which is a historic crime series or a crime series to get started to get it on the screen actually so I mean we all know that it's not easy to <laughs> sell a series so I guess that's actually a good way for many writers and I quite enjoyed it to have weird and very normally very costly things happening in the series, which you could never do on a big screen. I mean, you can have a settling and everything in it. It's like, oh, don't care. I mean, we can have hundreds of locations. Nobody cares because it's an audio play. I mean, we'll be different if this, this is ever going to make it to the screen, obviously. <laughs> But um, I love the creative freedom, really. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I've also kind of, I've also got uh, 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 um, a historical prod TV project in my in my back drawer, which I'm also thinking about adapting uh, for audio. I mean, the good thing about audio, I mean, as you mentioned it already, is this point a lot, lots of times made by producers. This I, we can't make it because it's it's, it's uh, historical. It's so expensive. Kind of that that argument kind of doesn't fly really in audio, does it? Yeah, I, I went. Uh, I was in film school. That's the only time I wrote some audio. Uh, uh, but because it was audio, then it, I said it in Rome during the the fire of Rome and we, some of the main characters were like Nero watching Rome burn and gladiators and stuff and you know like the entire Coliseum uh, uh, full with people and screaming you know like that that was fun and we had a lot of fun with the actors and with the sound engineer like how, how many extras that. did you use Pierre? Hmm? how many extras did you use for that? well you know in my head it's thousands obviously so, so it's, it's yeah I think, I think following up on that my, my only thing would be um, uh, it was only after I, I, I finished it that that the production manager I think pointed out that I had something like a hundred characters in my first season. And, <laughs> really? <laughs> and, and I did get a note saying to try and tone that down for the second one. because I think 
they that's obviously their biggest thought of how they're going to do this um but obviously you know you can one actor can voice m- multiple people and and so yeah the costs i guess for um and the and the logistics of making an audible thing have uh, uh, far less but having said that there's still there's still a lot of things to consider and i think um for mine i know uh, the scheduling of the actors um has been one of them and i think i don't know if uh, COVID was a factor of that last year but for this year because we've got the same returning actors um, it's about finding when they can um, have time in their schedule but then equally um, you know they can they can just they just need a few days if that you know to, to do to do everything so it's it's I think it's a lot easier from their point of view as well yeah did you also have like uh, within your production process um, if you can talk about it uh, Kati do, did you also have like uh, way too many Oh yes, <laughs> I just wanted to say I can top that. Uh, we had 120 in the first Three. draft. Um, yeah, you get carried away, <laughs> really. You, you um, with no limits, you get carried away. And but obviously, as Anthony said, um, for the minor characters, you can have one person speaking five to ten different. Well, a good speaker can obviously. Uh, um, uh, get into five to ten different characters so that's not a problem and um, yes we had that problem but we also had a, um, a good thing at the production company that did Schulden Schmutz which is Boom Film um, even during COVID they still had the opportunity to record live with different um, actors uh, being in the studio at the same time so they had I think three or four um, speaker boxes so they could still do it um, parallel and react to each other um, uh, because they had different entrances. So I was happy that even in this pandemic, you can have an interaction between the speakers. So that was quite good. That's quite cool, yeah. Yeah, although I've got to say, I, I don't know about your show, but with mine, I was, for most of them, I think they had to record them one like individually. And I was, like the sound design and the way it's been edited together, it's, it's seem, for, from listening to it, I thought it was seamless. And um, they did a really good job. Uh, this time around, I think they got the two leads in... Um, to do certain scenes together. And they might've done that for the first season actually. Um, but that, you know, to see them working together is, is really fun as well. So that's, that's pretty cool. But also when they're in the studio, they're recording it and some people have already recorded their lines. So they are reacting to a recording that's been oh, done. Okay. Yeah, and and yeah. that's, that's when you're in the studio watching that, it's quite dis- disorientating to see just disc, disembobulate voices yeah, yeah, bobbling yeah. around everywhere. <laughs> um, yeah. It, it brings me to to a more like craft question about uh, choices of of writing because you're talking about like all these androids of characters. Um, not all uh, audio stories need to have all the characters spoken. Some, you know, like let's say on one side you have an audiobook, which is like one narrator reading all the book, and on the other side you have like full scenes with like music and sound design and all the actors speaking and you have a lot of in between right with some narration just a few characters speaking and not all everyone you know what i mean uh, and uh, some with very little sound sound design some with a lot of sound design um how did you make the the choice how did you choose where the cursor for your show was and would you do something differently um i i definitely sort of pitch this as a radio drama like an audio mm-hmm. drama with with different actors different voices uh, i i think to to do the the first thing that you're talking about an audio book it's you know that's all prose with dialogue thrown in um i wouldn't consider myself necessarily a prose writer i think i think dialogue yeah uh, is something i enjoy writing and so um yeah that was kind of the way i did it but uh for me it 
one of one of the things you can do in audio, in fact, one of the tools you've got and I would recommend using is voiceover because it's it's like a way into the character's head and it's it's something like in film is obviously used, but often it's it some depending on the film, but it can feel a bit like hackneyed and a bit like yeah, it's yeah. put in there to it, basically describing what you're seeing as well. Um, with audio though, you can you can either establish it like I've done in my show with a with a flashback uh, um, narrative device, or I've listened to radio dramas that were just immediately in the character's head uh, and there's no explanation, but it, it works. You know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a bit like a monologue on stage. It just you know the, you go with it. Um, so I, I think that's a really good tool. And and when I was writing it, it felt it actually felt because there's a lot of first person uh, voiceover. It felt like I was writing a novel, but um, obviously uh, yeah. it, I had other dialogue going. And of course, as well. but you don't have the screen, so you kind of felt. Did you mm. felt like you had to replace it a bit, or with the voiceover, or did that not feel like? It? Yeah, well, you've got to. F it's a tricky. One. You've got to find a way to be. <laughs> To be able, you know, like to say, oh, hi, guys, it's really good to see you here today. Uh, that's a nice shirt you're wearing, like without saying that, right? Yeah, like, yeah, you've yeah, got to some, yeah. if the shirt's important to the plot or whatever, you've got to somehow find a way to say it in dialogue that it's not going to sound like clunky, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's a tricky thing. Uh, but, uh, and oh, I, hope, I hope I did a good job. Uh, I don't know if Katarina has something to say about that as well. Did you have the same difficulties uh, or what choices did you make, Katy? Well, that's very interesting because, I mean, obviously we had, um, the same question. I mean, how do we tell the things that you can't see? Um, we started this, uh, the process um, the same way Anthony did. So we also pitched it as a drama series. Um, it was always um, clear that it would be a full audio play with everything. It was too complex to reduce it. And uh, we decided, um, which Anthony did with voiceover, we did um, decide to get a, a narrator so very classic and and he's but he's very ironic so he's not just saying well they entered the room but he is commenting on the feelings of the characters like like he knows them and um i think it's a good element because um i know that it's um well more craft crafty if you can tell an audio series without a narrator but i felt i don't want the audience to miss anything important so we have a, a really cool uh, narrator with a really old, you know, n narratory voice, kind yeah, of. And yeah. he's funny and he makes jokes and he makes jokes about the characters as well. So that was our tool to um, show the things that we can't see, obviously, in the audio play. Yeah, that's so interesting because like with, with, with my audio series that I wrote, uh, I, I had like part... Part of it was like audio drama and other parts were like uh, kind of documentary in a way. So it's kind of like um, I've written it, uh, I've written scenes, like dramatic scenes. And then I kind of go out of these scenes with a, with a narrator. And then I also have like parts interview, like when you kind of interview experts about historical stuff and so, and then trying to find back into the, into the, into the scenes again. So it's kind of like, that was the style that I used, for example. And mm. uh, yeah, it's kind of, it's really interesting how, how um, for different stories you use like these uh, different elements in it. As Phil was stopping his sentence, I was thinking, well, maybe it's my time to ask a question. <laughs> yes. Um, so, no, but it, it, uh, how did you then uh, organize the work? Because you, uh, Katana said you had a writer's room, you had two co-writers. Yes. Anthony, you wrote the loan. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're all by yourself. All alone Nobody in a dark write winter <laughs> writing a dark story. Uh, can, can you tell us a bit more about like uh, really like the practical organization of how, how much time did you have for uh, uh, each episode and how many like back and forth and uh, how did, did uh, and I imagine this is a great opportunity to read stuff out loud. Um, as you said, we were a writer's room. We did put a lot of time into development actually because we have a big mystery um uh, in it that had to be you know logical and everything and we did a lot of historical research so we actually um did location scouting funnily enough um so we went to different places in munich which already had been there in 1926 because we said in an ideal world there would be some extra interactive things happening for the audience um, so that uh, the audience can go and look at the locations that are still there. Like the Alter Peter, that's a church that's very famous in Munich. And Asamkirche, um, um, that's another church that's very important. The Hofbräuhaus, I think everybody knows the Hofbräuhaus. A murder is happening at the Hofbräuhaus. I'm not spoiling too much if I'm saying that. So that took a lot of time. And then we did the typical development thing. So we thought what what uh, combines our characters, what uh, not only their needs and their wants, what is the topic of the whole thing? What is the crime plot and what's the private line and everything? And um, yes, I, th I think writing the actual scripts didn't take as much time as the development then because we had found the way they... They spoke and we knew what we were what we wanted to tell and we had a really really clear outline of everything that was happening over those eight episodes and then we just wrote um, everybody wrote different scripts and um, I was doing the final editing to make it sound the same and uh, but as in every series that gets easier actually so you start with three scripts which are very different obviously <laughs> and the last three scripts almost sounded like one person had written them. So that is kind of, yeah, the normal development process. But um, I was glad to do it as a team, actually, because it was like eight eight uh, episodes of 60 minutes. That's huge. Even for an audio play, which is written a bit faster than for the screen, but it's a lot a lot of minutes to fill. <laughs> so I was happy with the writer's room. Yeah, and you cannot, uh, you know, uh, cheat with like uh, very long shots of landscape. No, <laughs> you can do a lot of narrator, but that uh, gets boring. I mean, two pages of a narrator I mean, you telling could... you of anything, it's like, yeah, no. <laughs> talk you slower. <laughs> no, you can't really. <laughs> um, how was it for you, Anthony? Uh, yeah, mine, um, let me think back to when I wrote it. Um, Yeah, what it, I think the longest thing was getting the story established. Um, when when I initially pitched it, they they did say that they were potentially looking for something that could run for three seasons. So I did have that in the back of my mind. Um, but it was tricky. I'd written one audio thing before, um, and I, I I mean, for the first thing, the practical, I struggled to find a, a format. Like final draft the, on the templates, it didn't have an audio format. And in fact, when you look up scripts they they're, they're all over the place the bbc have different things and people write however they yeah, want and, yeah. and that's you know that's fair enough but it's also uh tricky when you're trying to figure out have i just written a 10 minute thing yeah, yeah. or like yeah i have no idea so uh yeah i did it took me a while to uh to actually just make a format that worked and i uh yeah i would read things out and i think 
what, what I would do is I would get the, uh, I don't know if you ever used the voice assistant on Final Draft. Have you ever never, done that? Never done that before. And I think it, I think it was how I stayed sane because I was writing really, you know, it's quite a dark storyline, but this voice would just make me laugh because it was just <laughs> ridiculous. So I think that was kind of how I stayed semi-sane. But um, yeah, the once I got the story established, I then thought, um, okay, how much of it can I get into the first season and realised quite early on that I just had way too much story for one season. And, and, and that was a good thing because, because, like I said, they they were looking for a second one. Um, and then I had the format, I had the story. And then, uh, yeah, I think it took me a while to just really establish the characters and the world. Um, because I was in the UK, I couldn't visit places, unfortunately. Um, but I, you know, I had to do a lot of research. And then, um, yeah, I just managed, I, I mean, I made sure I got the outline um, down and got that signed off. And then, yeah, the scripts. Yeah, I agree. They don't, they don't take... Like uh, I'd say an hour of writing audio doesn't necessarily take as long as an hour of TV at all. But yeah, I had six hours to write. So it did uh, take a while. And also, yeah, you know, with a thriller, everything has to connect up and there's a lot yeah. going back and forth. Um, so, but I think I, oh, I think for the first season, I, I only did two drafts and a polish maybe. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. From, from, from what I remember, but I think that's because my outline was quite tight. I kind of yeah. like made sure that was, that was down. Interesting question about the length you wrote in English, but your show is in German. So you gain 10 minutes just by magic of translation, right? <laughs> yeah. But you know, so there's a couple of funny things that one, I guess with audible, they don't, it doesn't, they don't mind. There's no time, you know, obviously you, you're, I was actually, you know, my contract thing was like 15 minute episodes, but I over delivered because I just had too much story, but they don't mind that. That's, you know, fine that you don't have yeah. to, you don't have to, you know, it's not 44 minutes for a one mm. hour drama. And then, um, but the funny thing is, it's, uh, it's been released in Spain. The Spanish version came out the first season uh, this year. And the Spanish version is, I think, like 20 minutes shorter, but I think- Is it really? Because they talk quicker. I'm <laughs> yeah, guessing, yeah, yeah. unless they've cut out like some scenes that I don't know, because I don't speak Spanish, then, um, but yeah, uh, so that's, that, that's an interesting thing. But again, I don't think it, it doesn't, it doesn't really make any difference for them because they're just- They've got, you know. Yeah. Can, can you give us like a number, roughly? How long were you, in your format that you basically invented for yourself? How 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 long were the scripts sent for? Like oh yeah, roughly I, no, 60 I, minutes. I, no, yeah, I did a minute page. Did a minute a page. Yeah. Was it the same for you, Kati? They had roughly a minute a page. Ah, no, um, no, actually, because we had a lot of um, like I don't know ping pong dialogue, if that makes any sense. So we had a lot of pages of people just saying, "Yeah, so what?" Blah, you know. So yeah. There were short dialogues and a lot of um, dialogue humor. So this goes very fast, even for the audio play. So I think for our 60-minute 60, 60 scripts, we had 80 to 90 pages around, roundabout, because it was a lot of, um, you know, short dialogues. And we also did write um, the sound design quite accurately. So that's mm -hmm. what the production company wanted from us. Um, they said, write, better write more than less, you know? So it was like, uh, if a train was coming in, we um, we wrote if it was an electronic train or a steam train and what kind of steps exactly you were hearing if somebody enters the room and every tiny bit, like even some a key drops on the floor and somebody picks it up, everything was written in there so because we couldn't be there for every day of the production process obviously so we wanted to make sure that they know what we want for a sound and um, that was a lot of um, that doesn't take a lot of time 
listening to, but takes a lot of space on the pages. So that's why we, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say we had one minute a page really. We had less. Yeah. I, I mean, the stage directions are um, an interesting aspect of audio. I mean, I obviously had them in there and, and yeah, I mean, you know, you write, somebody drops their keys or whatever and, and footsteps and things like that. But um, I kind of also just, I mean, I had been working with a producer early on who ended up directing it and um, we were on the same page in terms of our references and things like that. So I kind of knew what he was going to go for. Um, so yeah. And where, where something wasn't clear for the actor or the, um, you know, the, the people reading the script, I, I would express the sort of put something in there, but for the most part, I mean, yeah, I mean, for instance, there's a there's a scene that takes place in a in a locals bar, and I guess I can't actually remember how I described it, but I think I just mentioned a you yeah. know a loud bar and and yeah, you know, yeah. it's quite it's quite generic. But then, what's fun for them and for me listening to it at the end product is seeing hearing how they created that. You know, that's yeah. that's kind of like you, you know I just let them get on with it really. But that's kind of a bit of a tricky thing because I had the same kind of problem or challenge with writing my stuff. It was just as an example, like a bar scene, how do you describe that in the beginning? Or, I mean, I had the tendency at some point to actually describe like every kind of sort of sound that you hear, like glasses clinking and all that. And then at the end of the day, I just wrote it way shorter, said, as you said it, like a loud bar and Mm. let the sound design people do, do uh, uh, kind of play with their imagination or something. Yeah. I think, I think the bar one, I I think I probably put in a few more details than, than I remember actually. I think I might've mentioned, you know, sort of bar that has pool, you know, there's a sound of pool playing. And and I guess it was just trying to think, okay, if I was writing this visually, what would I put in there? And then keeping what's necessarily and uh, highlighting audio things. Yeah. So like the sound of a pool table, which, yeah. which I think is in the scene later and stuff like that. That So, you know, I was thinking about things that way and um, yeah. Which yeah. again brings you back to the, 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 uh, the term that you mentioned, audio land, to actually kind of think about scenes as in what can you actually hear in that moment, right? Yeah. So, there's, you know, the, I think they're attracted to stories that can do that, but also, um, yeah, scenes for sure. And um, things that just, yeah, feel immersive and, and how you describe them, how you write them. Um, yeah. Yeah. So not, but they don't just want cacophonies of noise. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, you know, they're quite, um, quite um, targeted. Did you also have like the, uh, I'm coming back to that term audio land again, Kati, did you also have like these uh, uh, things in your story where you kind of think, okay, what can you actually hear or how can I make use of audio stuff that existed back in the 1920s, which I gather must be a lot more difficult than nowadays yes. when you can use like voice messages and uh, I don't yeah, know, yeah. something like that. Absolutely. Um, I think it was um, a challenge as well as, something really fun so obviously um you can use stuff like a gramophone so we also try to make how do we say it um locations recognizable with different sound designs you always used so there's an an office of a really weird crazy editor and um, he has a gramophone always playing um old 1920s love songs and he has um, a bird who's always you know like chirping so stuff like that we try to um let the audience remember the rooms Mm -hmm. so sometimes you don't have to tell where they're going because you can you you hear the gramophone with the love songs you hear a bird you're like ah okay i'm in the editor's office you know um but you also have to do a lot of research because obviously everything sounds different 1926 (laughs) you cannot just write a telephone rings i mean i don't know we were a bit perfectionistic i think the production company could have done a lot of it um by themselves 
but um, we did research beforehand how things um, sounded. So also like if you're doing a telephone call in 1926, you don't just uh, call the number, you call the operator and there's um, um, there are ladies in an office who take the calls and then they uh, get you to your to the, to the actual person you are calling and that is that I have a specific sounds like the telephone has specific sounds the cars sound very different obviously yeah and um we didn't want to make it too hard for the people at the production company i mean i mean you guys know how it goes they have a few days to shoot different episodes so um i would not only write um, Fl Florentina, who is our protagonist, she's walking through Marienplatz, which is like the main center of Munich. Um, I have to write that um, uh, carriages are arriving, people on bikes are driving by, there's um, some collision between some guy on a horse with another guy on a horse or something like that, because obviously that's what would, that's what, uh, what, what was happening in 1926. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of cars, not everybody could afford a car, so you have to think about that, um, unfortunately, or luckily. So, yes, a lot of time. But I think these details make it quite easy for the for the audience to immerse this historic world. And it's very important to have all of the sound design in it. Yeah, I think to jump on that, I think the, it is, I find it quite amazing with audio how a few sound effects can really create the world like yeah. uh, last week i was in the studio and the actors uh were, were doing their thing and and um they they played like for instance the i can't give it too much away but the second season of the show takes place uh before christmas and mm -hmm. uh so i wanted to go from like a summer for the first season yeah. to a winter because i thought the sound design would be different i thought it'd be you know it'd be it'd, it'd just make it more interesting and um and also it's relevant to the story obviously <laughs> um and uh and so they um they would ha they had like uh, you um clips that they would have of the howling wind and stuff like that playing yeah. over the actors speaking that the, the clips weren't going to be recorded in the dialogue but it was for the actors to kind of feel more in character and and but sitting there like I swear it got colder. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I yeah, really right. think it got colder. You start to shiver and everything. Yeah. <laughs> I have a structure question about, um, so you have one hour episode. Uh, what did you think, what did you use as a, as a act structure? Did you use like TV feeling in terms of like uh, sequences and acts or, or is it more of a flow with the audio? I actually worked as like I did for TV. So you mean like, how do we, how is the, the structure of one episode you mean yeah exactly like uh, you use yeah, like yeah. a teaser five, five, four acts something like that uh. yes exactly like that so we always were looking for one one topic that was the, the the basis of the episode like one part of the mystery is solved um in this episode so that you can have some satisfying feeling after every episode and then we thought about the most dramatic cliffhanger obviously and um, what part of the private line would be um, in the episode. So it was basically um, the same thing for me um, as writing for a TV series, because I think um, you need a clear structure. doesn't matter if it's for the screen or for your ears. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I wrote similarly. I mean, I, I don't know if they have a specific uh, structure that they require, but I, I like using structure. So I think I did, um, I'll do a, teaser intro and then four acts i think i, I did um 
and uh, some I guess were punctuated by by music that they they edited it. But it was it was more for my sake really to know where I was at. Um, and then obviously, especially with a thriller, you want like a good cliffhanger. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the midpoints, turns, um, mm. crises, you know, all, all the all the sort of uh, structural stuff I, I put in there. Um, yeah. Do Do you know? Who are the people who listen to these Audible originals? Like, do you have an idea of like first numbers, but also, uh, do you imagine when you write that the, the the person are you know cooking, going their groceries, or driving? Did you think of that? Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't, I didn't know if anyone was gonna listen to it. To be honest, <laughs> like who who they would be. But um, yeah, I, I was. Um, yeah, I mean, the the thing, something worth mentioning. I think and this leads to your point. The th the thing with Audible, at least, and uh, I'm not sure about other audio platforms, but you you get the reviews in front of you you get the yeah. the big yellow stars uh stars plural if you're lucky i guess and and you they're not filtered and, and, you, and you get comments and you've got nowhere to hide from that and that's something i wasn't really prepared for because mm -hmm. um i'm not sure if this happened to katarina but for me they they marketed my show as i'm like i'm an author like i like i've written a, a book yeah um whereas obviously we're screenwriters and we tend to like stay in the shadows and and not reveal ourselves and stuff so that was that was a, a big uh thing that i was um a bit terrified of at the start but then uh then you know it's done really well and got uh, really successful and um in terms of how people listen to it i'm not sure but i i think you know um I just read a couple of comments where people, you know, people liked it. And then I remember a couple that people were like, oh, it's even better the second time you listened to it. And I was like, yeah. wow, people, people oh, listened cool. to this twice, yeah. man. This is like, um, yeah, just kind of really, really um, humbling and really, really touched by it. It's great. Yeah. Well, our show isn't out yet, but what the people from Audible told us is that basically the audience do really listen to it carefully so it's not like some stuff that's on tv in the afternoons where people do like their ironing or cooking or anything they are actually um listening to it to to listen to it so um they told us that it can be sophisticated and it can be um well logically not too easy because people mm -hmm. do buy it to listen to it and they chose to listen to it and they choose to listen to it so um well in my dream obviously they listen to it one time two times three times and they're totally <laughs> into the world i don't know if it, this is going to happen but um i have the feeling that yes i think they are more carefully listening than some people do watch tv or watch something um the streamers are doing well i, I think as well i think with you I mean, I find it hard to do anything else when I'm listening to audio mm -hmm. stuff. And I think with TV, you know, you've got two inputs going on. So you can kind of like do the washing up and have the TV there in the background and you'll, you'll yeah. kind of catch a glimpse. You might stop and you're st still going in. But with audio, I think you sort of, because it's, it's so immersive that like you, I find like if I'm doing something or something else is going on, I need to double check that like doorbell didn't actually go in my house. So that, is that on the thing yeah. I'm listening to mm. or whatever? Um, but also yeah I, i think there's something in that stillness uh that you can you can take some time out and just listen to something be immersed in it and and it can just be that one thing going on um and i think i think that's that's one of its strengths you know i think we mentioned genre earlier and i, I definitely think obviously thriller and horror is a is a is a genre mm -hmm. i think works really well on audio because i don't know like whenever i'm watching a scary film and it gets the scary yeah. bit i just mute the sound and i can watch it right because it's <laughs> the sound that gets yeah, you and with audio time. you can't do that and and you know i, I think True. i think with thrillers as yeah. well that's that you know um it's uh so that's interesting did, did you listen to a lot of audio fiction before 
uh, and while uh, writing? And and what are your favorite or where where do you find your fictions? Yeah, I mean uh, the UK has a, um, a strong tradition of uh, audio stuff, even like Radio Four, mm -hmm. Radio Three. Um, I think Radio Three. Um, and uh, yeah, there's always stuff uh, stuff on Saturday afternoon dramas and things like that. And occasionally something will be on, and and it might just capture you, and you'll just end up watching it and be, oh, that's cool. They yeah. they do some bigger sort of shows like sort of full on sci fi things, um, comedy. A lot of great comedy started on on radio as well, Legal Gentlemen, and um, yeah, many other examples. So so those were the things. But I think probably the the earliest thing I remember listening to. In fact, both versions, I think. I think I got a film magazine with a cassette on it with uh, Orson Welles' War of the Worlds, the one that I he was just recorded. About to that, yeah. and, uh, and that like had me hooked. Also, the story behind it and everything. Yeah. But then also, I can't remember who made it, but the, the other version of the War of the Worlds, the one that's the, got the really cool soundtrack, and, yeah. and you know the one I'm talking about, and the, with a really cool artwork on the front cover. Of, the name escapes me, but I really remember that as a kid listening to that and, and yeah, kind of like just being lost in, in that world. And it was amazing. Mm. How about you, Kati? Yeah, it's so funny because for me it's the same thing. It's a lot of tr uh, um, children's memory, actually. I did listen to some stuff. Audible had just gotten out before um, writing a series, but most of uh, my inspiration came from stuff I heard as a, as, a, as a kid. So I don't know if this is known outside of Germany, but Die drei Fragezeichen, so the three question marks, it's three young uh, crime specialists, like teens who solve crimes. And I just was addicted to it as a child. And I mean, I mean, I think we are all the same age. We didn't grow up with a smartphone in our hands. So long rides in the car. Um, I think my parents only survived it because we had Walkmans, not Discmans, Walkmans, you know, <laughs> cassettes. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> those things existed. One, uh, yeah. Yes. And we, and um, um, the second good thing my parents did was they got, they um, got two headphones so that I didn't have to listen to it with us. So for hours, me and my sisters were sitting in the back of the car listening to those crime audiobooks for, for children from the Dreifragezeichen. And I also have so many good memories of that. And it's it's something that does so much for your imagination. So I said, um, when we are doing this crime theories, I want to make the Die Drei Fragezeichen for adults. So I want to have shocker moments. I want to have squeaky doors opening. I want to have weird footsteps in uh, in an empty hall or something like that. I want people to jump up in their, in their um, chairs when they're listening to it. Yeah, so, I think, uh, yeah. So, yeah, I think as well, if you, if you, you know, if you think back to just somebody telling a ghost story, just, you know, it, mm -hmm. the oral tradition is, 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 you know, the oldest form of storytelling. And I think... Um, with regards to my series, like I've got two timelines going on in, in for the first season and the second season. And for the first season, the, 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 the timeline in the present is basically a, a conversation going back and forth. And for the second season, I initially wasn't going to do the two timelines because I thought we could just be in the present. And they actually um, initially thought that could work. And then they came back to me. And I think sort of some of the feedback that uh, they had was that actually the, the two timeline thing works because it, it's more propulsive in many ways because you're setting something up that you're then going to answer. But also I think that that aspect of just two people get trying to get to the truth yeah, and have yeah. a conversation about something is um, really engaging, especially in audio. I mean, obviously it works on, on TV and film, but with audio it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's really engaging. I think. 
I think you have the people directly talking in your ear and 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 mm. and that's like what we're doing now i suppose yeah <laughs> exactly yeah. What we're yeah, doing now. yeah yeah no but you're right that when i listen to to podcasts like this like like chat or you know news podcast i, I can do my cooking or my or my shopping but when it's fiction and which is why i don't listen enough to it because you have to stop what yes. you're doing yeah, yeah. otherwise after five minutes i'm like wait what <laughs> like like, like I, I i lost you track might miss something exactly that's kind of, i don't know the, the funny thing is like what by what you're saying that really takes away my worry because while i was writing um the 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 scripts for uh the uh, the podcast series i wrote for um i a lot of the times i thought um should i repeat myself sometimes to actually remind the listener of stuff that i have said before but this kind of by what you're saying that people when they listen to stuff they they get really immersed in it and they really listen to it like uh, uh they really concentrate on it kind of really takes away my worry a little bit but did you have the like similar problems in the writing process that you thought like okay should i repeat that info again or uh, uh, uh and then uh, maybe the um the producers told you uh, not to do it because I don't know. Yeah, I mean, definitely, um, especially with a thriller and especially mine, that takes place over two timelines and a third timeline because there's a historical case they, they get into as well. Uh, those details do need uh, mentioning a few times, yeah. but obviously you don't want to like mention too many times. But I think it's it's when you're going to mention a detail you've mentioned before, but then you're going to do something with that detail yeah. and, and flip it or something. Yeah. So, so it's, but again, it's trying not to be clunky about it and like not, <laughs> not, not, not to sort of uh, deliver it up on a plate and, and try and be subtle, but also not too casual. And yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's tricky to get right, but I think when it works, it works really well. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's especially the things you mention in one in the first or second episode, for example, and you pick it up in like the fifth or sixth episode. Um, people don't tend to listen to all the six episodes or eight episodes in a row, you know, like somebody, I think people binge watch things on Netflix, but I don't think people have the time to binge listen to a full audio series. So um some facts have to be uh, repeated later because I'm, I don't think if somebody remembers um, some little detail out of episode one and episode six. So that's mm -hmm. what we did. Yeah. So overall, you seem to have uh, really enjoyed that experience. Yeah, there's something you would do again and, and uh, you don't have to give numbers, but like, is it also worth it as a writer compared to the TV job as a, you know, the salary, but like, if you compare the ex the experience and all this included, you know, like, like I mean, I'll, I have to do it again because I've got the season, right? <laughs> so, yeah, so I am, I am doing it again and, I, but, and I'm looking forward to it. Um, it is, it, you know, see, it's a lot of work uh, creating that, uh, that much. Um, uh, I would say that, um, Yeah, it's uh, it's rewarding in the sense of that you get to complete your story. And in regards to mine, that you know, I knew I was going to get two more seasons, and that was really great to finally finish the whole thing. I think, sorry, just on a on a divergent, one of the main things that I'm not sure people fully understood from the first season was that it was, it was going to be continued, and so you know, it's got quite a, mm -hmm. um, you know a few twists and turns, and and there's some un unanswered questions in there, but they're sort of intentionally unanswered because I answer them in the second season um and i just didn't couldn't fit everything in one season it was just there was too much it's quite a good cliffhanger then isn't it yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. um but um so so with that regards like yeah to, so to have your, your own original series uh, made um for me for like a, an unknown writer in germany like um is great the the uh other positives and with regards to my show is that we, we managed to get big 
names attached to it, which, uh, you know, I just wouldn't have got that, I think, yeah, on, yeah. A, on a SOTV show. And that that adds kudos to the writing, the project. I mean, I think they signed on after reading the pilot and the and the, and the outline, the Bible, yeah, I think. Yeah. Um, that, that helps. Um, my shows really they really went for it with regards to marketing and things like that which again i don't i don't know if i would have got that much of a push um, mm -hmm. as just the tv series um so you know and now i come away with that and lots of people listen to it and i've got like my own ip there i guess and and um it's also been out in spain and it's going to be in france and italy next year i believe so um you know that's that's opening up doors and and you know you can't yeah it doesn't it's not got the salary of tv writing but yeah. you know um you know, that's, that's just the way it goes. There's less money in it, you know, yeah. that's, and if you're, if you're okay with that, then, then yeah, definitely worth, um, also I think, you know, they are with Audible at least, I, and I could be wrong, but I think they've got just like a dedicated submissions, uh, I don't know, portal or something. I, I, I don't know the details, but I think you can just send them a pitch and stuff and, and they'll, they'll get back to you, I think. I mean, uh, that sounds great, and and uh, don't don't tell that to to anyone. But I would prefer <laughs> a great uh, process and a rewarding work to you know a big paycheck. Yeah, and, and just one final point. Like uh, I think uh, Katarina mentioned this at the start. There's you know there's fewer notes, there's fewer voices in the rooms. You're working with mm -hmm. one producer, um, and if you're both on the same page, um, obviously there's they then have other people that will probably talk to them. But really, yeah, it was it was it was that really, it was just um, talking, discussing it, making changes. It wasn't like the problems you get with TV where yeah. locations are, or like you're, you're one of five writers doing an episode of something and um, your whole episode changes. Cause you know, you, you don't really have that, but um, yeah. Um, Which also makes it a lot quicker and a lot more, I don't know, in some parts, definitely more enjoyable in a way because you have like less people involved, less cooks in a way. Yeah, I can I can only sort of feel like it's, it, I could be wrong here, but I feel like it might be like a novelist with their editor, that kind of, yeah, that kind of process. Um, but I'm not sure. Get you, did you, would you do it again? <laughs> um, definitely, yes. Um, I totally agree with Anthony. Um, it is more about, um, this is your story and um, we, don't want to destroy it like it often happens for the screen but we want to get the best out of it that's the feeling i had during the production process and development process and um i think rewarding it is perhaps hopefully at some point um monetary um, if it's a success and then you have the possibility to make one two three four more serious um well, um, seasons out of it, obviously. And um, yeah, and it's, a, it's an IP and it's so much more fun um, writing something that's your own thing and where you have your creative freedom. So I really enjoyed that. And then, and I enjoyed the kind of unlimited um, possibilities. Well, if you don't hit the 120 characters yeah. mark, yeah. <laughs> obviously yeah, I, I, they weren't happy about that. <laughs> but otherwise, it's for me. It was um, after doing a lot of TV, there's a lot of restriction, and obviously um, talking about budget and everything. It was really freeing to just write and be creative again for one project. So I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Then uh, let's uh, uh, you know hope for more schmutz. Uh, yes, trash, more dirt, more in, in the future, <laughs> and, uh, and that the and that the rats be catched. Um, well, uh, thanks a lot, uh, Kerry and Anthony, to have yeah, been in the pudding with us. us. No it was problem. great. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks, thank you for joining. Thanks.
<laughs> well, we, we learned point. a lot about uh, audio, even though we've, we've been doing a podcast for so long. I think all this specificity of, uh, of yeah. uh, uh, writing only for audio and fiction and, and, and for actors and all this. And, and I think uh, there seemed to be something... Um, more joyful and more in control. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so really, to be honest, it really got me excited about this whole yes. world in a way. We say that after each interview, we're like, "Oh, I'm so excited!" Yeah. We're, we're like typical writers, we're like you yeah. know, like like we're like pumped. Uh, we're pumped we're, after we're, each interview. After yeah. each, oh yes, <laughs> you know, each time we watch a documentary, oh, we should do a series about it. Yeah. So talk about series, Pierre. Uh, yes, I just had a thought, which brings me back to what we were talking about at the beginning. Uh, you weren't like the last couple of weeks. You weren't just sick. You also did something else. What was that? It's true. I, I stopped being thick just to go to the premiere of 1899, the Netflix series I worked on last year. And it was quite a, a um, cool event where they first uh, took us on a boat on the Spree yeah, to, yeah. to to have a drink on the boat uh, and then uh, drop us at a, the venue. Um, a little photo call. <laughs> I mean, I didn't do the photo call, but for the actors. Yeah. Uh, and, um, and then there were this very beautiful uh, screening room with uh, branded uh, popcorn yeah. baskets yeah. and, uh, and then, and then a party yeah. uh, with, you know, open bar, you know, yeah. nice Netflix, uh, uh, you know, event lots of money spent but uh, you know it was it was pretty cool and it was great to see again uh, uh, all the people you know from the crew that I worked with you yeah, know like yeah. a year ago and uh, and then a bunch of influencers that I guess they need to invite now of to these kind of things to, to be create. invited as well yeah. Yeah. Um, how could you forget to mention this <laughs> yes. Uh, well yes and actually that transitioned into uh, uh, cool things you know uh, 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 watch 1899 on Netflix it dropped out recently and uh, it's pretty cool and uh, I'm pretty proud of the French scenes because that was my responsibilities you yeah. know to make sure yeah. that the French sounds good and you know and uh, yeah and, um, so I, definitely watch it definitely watch, watch 1899 yeah. yes um, any uh, other cool stuff that you have Yes, well, because I was sick, I played a lot of Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Mm -hmm. uh, you know what? It was my first time playing an Assassin's Creed game since like the first two. I okay, think okay. I've never played one, uh, but I it's, always it's, want to do it in a way. It's so it's like easy like gaming, you know. Like yeah. it's beautiful. Uh, the story is not that bad. It's all not that great, but like it's just it's so big. You. It's beautiful. You ride yeah. through the world. You kill some dudes. You 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 pick like some flowers. Open, is it like is it like open world, like GTA in the old ages or whatever? Or in a in a way, it's kind of an open world, but it's very guided. You know exactly what you have to 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 do and play and stuff. So basically, if you are in a if you want to do something amazing and complex, you would play Elden Ring, but it's very challenging and it's like this beautiful, yeah, complex, yeah. open world that is where no one is telling you anything or what you, you have to understand yourself, everything, and it's all, every fight is challenging and impossible, but it's great. Yeah. But it's like, it's not when you're sick and tired and you have only like an hour or two or two play in the evening. And if you so are you really sick- you really want to play longer then? Yeah, but yeah. so Assassin's Creed is, is great for, for these, like, oh, you want to spend an hour to relaxing, uh, okay. uh, still advancing yeah. the story. Still, yeah. It's still in, it's still good, you know, but yeah. but it's it's easy gaming. But no, um, I started rewatching Buffy uh, because ah. my girlfriend haven't yeah. seen it. Yeah. And uh, we were looking for, like, a fun show to watch in the evening. And, and, uh, it's definitely a fun, fun show. Yeah, and I'm amazed. I mean, I've seen the show before, but, yeah. like, I'm really amazed how... I don't know. It makes me realize I miss old school TV, you know, yeah, where yeah. an episode was an episode and, and you could have like big, you know, emotional, earth shattering, world bending storylines. But yeah. at the same time, another stake is like a, a high school drama, you know, like this mix of, of ridiculous, corny, but also big. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, big. Yeah. This mix of things is so good. Um, and season two is particularly 
uh, ambitious in all in this mix and yeah, yeah. and and so because you know like in my mind it's like oh yeah season five and six that's where that's where the the good shit is but no like already season two is like an amazing season of tv yeah. you know like and um yeah so it's been uh, it's been quite lovely uh, uh going back in there how many seasons were there again i think i think it's seven yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So so a lot. So yeah. And uh, what about you? What, uh, what uh, you? I have one what? big thing that I really want to recommend. Um, I watched. It's on a film on Netflix. It's a pretty long film. It's two hours and forty five minutes. Uh, it's blonde. It's kind of a it's a Marilyn Monroe story. Um, but um, if you're kind of expecting the um, the regular kind of biopic or anything, it's nothing like that at all. It's basically. Oh my God, how could you describe it? It's basically a horror movie diving into the inner life of Marilyn Monroe and uh, her, her, basically her real self, her aka Norma Jean Baker, I think was her real last name. And it's kind of really, it's, it's, it starts off with um, her as a child, the trauma she experienced with, with a, uh, psychologically uh, kind of uh, sick uh, mother and with the growing up without a father and all the trauma that that she I mean it's kind of a lot, lot of it is based on rumor of course and you don't really know about it but uh, it's uh, it's really in a really an amazing but also really disturbing film at the same time and uh, but but I was really like uh, uh, I was a bit disturbed in the beginning but I really got got really into it and um, I couldn't couldn't stop watching anymore. It was really really amazing film. Well, I, I couldn't say I will watch it because I actually I have watched it and I hated it. So, really? so it's an interesting. Uh, uh, I thought it was amazing. Interesting take. No, I thought it was the dumbest shit I've seen in s- in a long time. <laughs> like, like, like I, I found it really really revolting. Like, like uh, um, uh, yeah. And um, and I think it also goes into this like uh, epidemic of backstory and tr- using trauma for anything to justify anything like uh, instead of story. Uh, I don't know. Like I I I found it. It's I mean, beautifully shot. That's it's it's amazingly made. You, that, that's you know, kind of the stuff that you even either you embrace it or you don't embrace it. I can totally see why you're not why you don't like it. But it's exactly what you hated. I kind of totally embraced and what I really liked because I think that character lends itself to that. It's uh, if you if you. If you use trauma on a character, use it on, I mean... Yeah, but it's That's extremely so programmatic, it you know, like you, you have a mother saying like, oh, this is your father. And then she's a father obsessed. She calls every one of her husband <laughs> daddy. She says daddy like 88 times during the movie. I don't know. Like, it's just, I, I don't know. I found it very, very stupid. Uh, yeah, I, I cannot, it's beautifully shot. And also, I think it's really, when I finished watching the movie, yeah. the first thing I was thinking is, what a dumb bitch. Really? Yeah. We, which is a weird thing for a biopic <laughs> to, 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 to get to, you know? Uh, uh, and, and I think it's not me passing judgment. I think it's a movie passing judgment and, 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 and having like a weird... Um, for example, each time she is shown to be a bit smart about like a book or something, she either is mocked or, or the movie cuts. Like, like there's this moment where yeah, she's about yeah, to give yeah. an audition and everyone is like, oh, she's going to be terrible. You don't see her being great. You just see yeah. some men validating her after, and it's so weird that they cut the right. Anyway, I mean, I ma- maybe they could do, maybe they could have used more, a bit more of that. But it was really what I really liked about it as well was that it kind of was uh, at least what it kind of was staring. I mean, it wasn't this your regular biopic, your regular uh, thing that you get when you kind of. I mean, when you have a biopic, people still. I mean, uh, what what do you think about? You think about like Ray or Walk the Line, and they still kind of. I think those are the amazing biopics, but but uh, they really start to being a formula in a way and I really liked about it that that film didn't just 
didn't just do that. And I wouldn't even say it's a biopic. It's just like you dive into the inner world, kind of you have a horror film about that. And it's a biopic, I think, is something different than what you're actually seeing in Blonde. Yeah, I, I see what you mean with the horror film, but it's still, you know, it still starts with her at six and until she dies. So it's like still a full life story of, you know, it's like, yeah, but you don't it's like the that. opposite of the best of. It's, like, it's the worst of uh, <laughs> uh, her life. Yeah, I, I, I didn't like it, but like, let's not continue because it's not a, it's not a movie podcast. <laughs> we should make it, we should make an entire episode <laughs> about that film, maybe. All right. Uh, no, oh, yeah. it, this is about series. So let's, let's forget about movies. Yeah, okay. I still recommend it though. <laughs> And uh, that's it for this episode of uh, Europudding. So uh, thanks a lot for listening. And uh, we will be back very soon with more exciting guests and topics. You'll find the show notes with links of everything we talked about and uh, to uh, listen to our guests' uh, work and uh, everything on our website, europudding.com or in your favorite podcast app just uh, here now in your hand. Yes, and please tell your friends about us. Subscribe to us. Like us wherever you can. Give us five stars. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, even LinkedIn, you can just type Euro Pudding, leave us a comment, we'd love it, or you can always get in touch with us or, with us on info at europudding.com. I launched the music too late. <laughs>